With the Eric Carlson trade now complete, we're going to revisit the original Eric Carlson trade that brought him to San Jose, discuss his legacy, and then take a crack at some projected lines with a bunch of new pieces. So all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. You're Locked on Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to Locked on Sharks, the premier hockey podcast covering your favorite team in the Bay Area. My name is J.D. Young, contributor at San Jose Hockey Now and Inside the Rink, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Sharks your first listen, probably a part of the Locked on Network. We cover your team every day, and even though it's the offseason and I'm only supposed to be doing three episodes a week, you're getting five this week. Uh, There's just too much good stuff to talk about. Uh, with Eric Carlson trade, uh, we've got plenty. We've got a couple guests coming up, so just too much stuff. Um, so we're going to give you five episodes this week. So um, wanted to, you know, we, we yesterday we we discussed kind of the nuts and bolts of the Eric Carlson trade. I wanted to kind of spend today revisiting kind of the initial trade and what could have been, and kind of the discussion around that, and then discuss Eric Carlson's legacy in San Jose in the five seasons that he was here and kind of what type of mark he left on the Sharks organization and what the fans think about him and, you know, especially such a polarizing player. Um, and then take a crack at some lines uh, going forward because the Sharks, they got a lot of NHL players on the roster right now. Um, are they good players? Who knows? But um, we shall at least try to put them in some order, uh, at least what I would do if I was David Quinn, um, but I'm not David Quinn. But um, let's go ahead first and start with with the Eric Carlson trade. And I think you have to kind of go back in time to that 2018, the end of the 2017-2018 season, look at the 2018 offseason, and then kind of the things that happened for the Eric Carlson trade and then the Eric Carlson extension um, that happened afterwards. And I think starting with you have to actually kind of start with the Evander Kane trade. So if you remember February, 2018, the Sharks trade for Ford Evander came from the Buffalo Sabres. Um, the, that trade um, was a conditional second round pick um, in the 2019 draft. Um, Danny O'Regan, and then a 2019 fourth round pick. The condition on the 2019 first round pick is if the Sharks make the playoffs, check, they did, and then re-sign Evander Kane, that pick goes from a second-round pick to a first-round pick. Um, There's some other conditions. If the Sharks didn't make the playoffs, but they re-signed Kane, that pick would have become a 2020. Um, but the Sharks were going to – that if that team was was a pretty good team. Uh, remember, they, they first round, they swept the Ducks, and then they get – pulverized by Vegas um, in round two. So just keep that in mind, that 2019 draft pick, right? So, of course, that's that's rolling into the summer, right? Doug Wilson, he is trying to do everything he can to win a championship for the Sharks, right? Um, If you remember the 2018 free agency, the Sharks were very, very, they were one of the final people in the John Tavares 
race, right? Um, rumors were the Sharks had offered $13 million. Remember, $13 million to John Tavares to sign eight, seven year, $13 million a year contract. Um, of course, we know, you know he left the Islanders, went to the uh, Maple Leafs. He signed a seven year, 77 million. So he left some money on the table to go sign with his hometown team. We all remember the John Tavares uh, sleeping um, with the leaf sheets, right? As his little Star Wars toy. Uh, we all remember that picture uh, when he signed. So, all right. So the Sharks re-sign Vander Kane that offseason, give him a seven-year, $7 million contract. They miss out on John Tavares. Doug Wilson is still trying to add that one final piece for the Sharks um, to help them make a cup run. Something else to keep in mind. Joe Pavelski, go entering in the 2018-29 season, entering the last year of his five-year deal at $6 million a season. Um, you know, he had been, we know exactly what Joe Pavelski was, um, you know, captain of the team, all that fun stuff, but definitely an older player, right? Looking, you know, entering his age, what was that? That would have been his age, uh, 34, 35 season, around that time, right? God, Joe Pavelski's 39 already. Um, and still doing his thing. What a monster. Um, anyway, right? So, Vander Kane, seven years, $7 million contract. Um, Joe Pavelski entering the last year of his contract. Doug Wilson trying to add one more piece. Here comes, uh, oh, with the member with the Vander Kane signing that took that second round pick made it into a first round pick um, in the 2019 draft. September 2018, the Sharks trade for Eric Carlson. They give up a Dylan DeMello, Chris Tierney, Rudolph Spalsers, jo prospect Joshua Norris, um, a 2020 first round pick unprotected, a 2021 second round pick that would have, uh, and then a 2019 also second round pick. They didn't have a 2019 first round pick because they had traded that. They had lost that pick when they traded for Vander Kane and then re-signed him. So 2019 second round pick, 2020 first round pick, 2021 first round pick, um, and then another conditional first round. So, right? Multiple first-round picks, um, all for Eric Carlson and Francis Piron. Carlson entered the last year of his $6.5 million deal, looking for an extension as well. He knew the Sens weren't going to pay him. There was plenty of bad blood between Ottawa and him, especially if you go back in the Mike Hoffman and Mike Hoffman's wife. Plenty of stuff going on with that, right? So, um, remember... So if you go back, boom, 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 the Vander Kane thing, right? The shark, Doug Wilson kind of had to make a choice, especially with Joe Pavelski, who was entering his mid thirties. If he wants to, wanted to add another forward, he went with a Vander Kane. He kind of made that choice, right? If you remember, uh, Joe Pavelski was looking for a three-year, $7 million contract. Uh, I think the Sharks were willing to offer him two years, but they didn't want to, that third year, especially for an aging power forward. 
uh, I don't know. Well, I guess Joe Belsiar, but an aging forward, right? Um, hindsight being 2020, um, they, the Sharks made the wrong choice between Pavelski and Kane, as Pavelski has been awesome down in Dallas, um, and Evander Kane is, isn't even on the Sharks anymore, right? Uh, we don't have to go down the Evander Kane road, but you know, Joe Pavelski has been putting up ridiculous. So um, he had 77 points last year in 82 games, 81 points in 82 games the year before, 51 points in 56 games in the bubble season. Um, Joe Pavelski has been awesome for the Stars and has been well worth the, the signing for them. But, you know, revisiting that trade, right? And then the extension, the Sharks, they were trying to win a cup and Eric Carlson was considered to be the last piece. Now, there was a lot of things that you could have done differently. If you don't resign Evander Kane, right? You can, your first round pick that you're trading becomes a 2019 pick. And then the 2020 pick, um, like you're not giving up as, as your assets aren't as bad because the team is a much better position. Um, Joe Pavelski is probably still on the team because you're not paying Evander Kane $7 million. And again, I see Doug Wilson's point, right? Are you going to pick the 27, 20-year-old forward? Um, or are you going to go with the 34 to 35-year-old forward um, giving a, a contract with? Doug Wilson made the wrong choice there. But then the money, right? Go back to John Tavares. The Sharks were going to give John Tavares $13 million um, at the time. <laughs> Eric Carlson, yes, he was amazing that season when he got hurt. Uh, fortunately, the Sharks, we know exactly what happened with the Sharks. They ran out of gas against the Blues. They just lost too many bodies. Eric Carlson was playing on, you know, shoe uh, shoelaces and, and bubble gum to try to make it through the end of the season to keep that growing together. Um, but, you know, Eric Carlson, $11.5 million at the time, pre-COVID, pre-a flat cap, was the going rate for a defenseman? You know, Drew Doughty had signed an eleven. You know, basically had signed a very, little bit smaller deal, but that was kind of the going rate for for the the upper crust defenseman. Um, if Kale McCarr, if there's no cap, you know, flat cap, Kale McCarr is probably paying getting paid like thirteen, fourteen million dollars right now. Um, you know, so I think there was a lot of things that kind of. A lot of sliding doors that kind of led the Sharks to where they are now with, with Eric Carlson. And, you know, a lot of bad luck, i.e. the cap going up, a lot of, you know, bad or not bad decisions that didn't age well, choosing Evander Kane over Joe Pavelski. Um, you know, just a lot of things that going back and revisiting it at the time, you can again. You can see why Doug Wilson made the decisions he did um, to try to win the Sharks a cup. Um, if they won a cup, we wouldn't care. Uh, we would have that cup. They have that banner. It doesn't matter. But just interesting to kind of like just something to keep in mind as we get ready to talk about Eric Carlson's legacy with the Sharks, where a lot of things. It was a lot of kind of bad timing, and you know, if the Sharks had done something different here or done something there um, or not done something, um, we would probably be looking at a much different team um, or the picks that you traded would have become Tim Stutzel or all that. So um, again, if, if the Sharks, I think if it goes, if the Sharks just don't resign to Vander Kane, resign Joe Pavelski, you're trading the 2019, uh, 2019 first round pick 
and then the 2020 first round pick, but your team's probably in a much different spot with Joe Pavelski instead of Vander Kane. Um, who knows? So sliding doors moments. But before we continue and discuss Eric Carlson's legacy, um, do need to take a quick break and talk to you guys about our good friends over at Athletic Greens. And if you are looking for a way to take control of your health, you want to eat healthy, you just want to be feel much better all around. I know it's tough, though. That's why you want to just start your day with Athletic Greens and their AG1. One delicious scoop of AG1 in a glass of water. Shake it up, drink it. You're good to go before you even do anything else. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to just get your day started right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things. And we know how hard and expensive it can be to try to buy a bunch of different supplements and make sure that they all work together. AG1, they got you covered with that. They cost less than $3 a day. They got You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habits. So right now it's time to reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Uh, make it easy. Athletic Greens and give you a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs for your first purchase. All you have to do, visit athleticgreens.com slash network. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash network to take ownership over your health and pick up the daily nutrition, sorry, the daily nutritional insurance. All right, so Eric Carlson's legacy, and I think a lot of fans right or wrong, kind of point to his contract as being the start of the, his acquisition and contract being the start of the downfall of the Sharks, right? And I can definitely see their point of view, right? You see Carlson gets here and then all of a sudden the Sharks don't have money to pay Joe Vapelski. And then you kind of start to see guys go, right? Um, Marlowe and Thornton and, you know, just a bunch of, the pieces kind of come, the wheels start to fall off of it. And, it's tough because I think there was such high expectations for Carlson and he, you know, the Sharks just weren't able to get over the finish line and you, and everything just kind of fell apart for them. Um, you know, that, that final year, especially after that 2019, 2020 season um, where they just didn't have the depth, you know, you lost guys like Joe Pavelski, um, right. And Eric Carlson was, did not, that was easily Eric Carlson's worst year. Um, you know, he, he loses. And then of course, top it all off, Martin Jones turns into a pumpkin. Um, right. Like you, you can point to a lot of people point to Eric Carlson, but like Eric Carlson is a huge part of the Sharks history. Right. Um, he played for in five seasons. Okay. He played for five seasons. He's fourth, fourth among defensemen and points scored. Brent Burns, 594 points in 798 games. Mark Edward Vlasic, 364 points in 1,239 games for the Sharks. Dan Boyle, 269 points in 431 games. Then Eric Carlson, 243 points in 293 games. Like, that point production is insane. And yes, I know last year helped a lot uh, when you score 101 points in 82 games. But, like, Eric Carlson... You know, you saw, especially that first season, you saw before, once he got comfortable and before he hurt his groin that December, um, the Sharks were an absolute 
just monster that season. And, you know, who knows if they handle his groin injury, if they just shut him down and don't bring him back into the playoffs. Remember, he he left, came back, left again. Who knows what, what happens there, um, right? But Eric Carlson was also responsible for some huge moments, right? Um, was a catalyst, major catalyst in the, of course, the Vegas uh, you know, four goals in five minutes, um, set up the game winning goal to Barkley Goodrow. Um, of course the hand pass with, with the saber or against the blues, like Eric Carlson was, was a huge factor that season. And, and I know that 2019, 2020 season was a bad season for Eric Carlson, but you know, the next season you could see it, you know, and then last season he was amazing, especially when he's not having to kind of share the load with Brent Burns and Brent Burns is getting kind of all the priority uh, minutes. You could see what Eric Carlson was doing. And um, I just hope that fans realize like how special of a player Eric Carlson was, because especially this last season, right? The Sharks were abysmal most nights. But Eric Carlson gave you a reason to watch because you never knew when he was going to do something special, right? Um, like get a hat trick, becoming the first Sharks defenseman um, while playing defense. Brent Burns on a, on the forward line, you don't count for this, but Brent, you know, first Sharks defenseman to score a hat trick. You know, the five point night, multiple three point nights, um, just being the best player that he was, and you know, winning the Norris and doing everything that Eric Carlson did this this season. Um, I just, I just hope that when he does return to San Jose for the first time, he does get the kind of respect and admiration that he deserves because Eric Carlson is an awesome, awesome player. And I really hope he succeeds in, in Pittsburgh and gets a chance to play for a cup because he's one of our, he's one of his generation's best players and he deserves to have a, a long playoff run where he gets a chance to kind of showcase just how special he can be um, on the biggest stage. So um, but I think with his legacy, it's going to be that polarizing legacy of, yeah, but, yeah, but with Eric Carlson. Yeah, he did all this stuff, but he did it at the worst possible time when the team was irrelevant and, you know, missed, especially in the first half of his career with San Jose, missed big chunks of, of the seasons or big chunks of time when uh, the Sharks needed him. And it's just that I feel like that's just going to be his legacy with the majority of Sharks fans is, yeah, he's a great player, but he never brought us the cup or he didn't fulfill his contract or all that, that stuff. And it's going to be unfortunate because um, I think we're going to look back at, how special Eric Carlson was as a player. And I don't think his time in San Jose is going to get the level of praise that it does, especially with the, all the yeah, buts that are going to come with Eric Carlson. So um, you guys know, I've loved Eric Carlson ever since, you know, been a huge Eric Carlson supporter. Um, yeah, I mean, if you've listened to the lockdown sharks at any moment, basically at any time, you guys know uh, how, how I thought of Eric Carlson is just going to be sad to not see him just do cool stuff on a night in night basis. So, um, but players who could be doing some cool stuff here, um, we're going to be looking at the projected, some projected lines. I'm going to look at what my lines were before this trade, 
look at them afterwards and kind of where I got guys slotted in and who's going to be kind of some of the healthy scratches. But uh, before we do that, do again, want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Sharks your first listen. Um, again, probably a part of Lockdown Network. We cover your team every day. And yes, even though it's the off season and I'm only supposed to be doing three episodes, you're going to get five episodes this week because um, we got plenty of great stuff to talk about. So uh, we're going to be looking at kind of Mike Greer's plan tomorrow and what, what's going forward with him and how you can kind of circle this, you know, 25, 26 season as like the season for the Sharks to kind of start to make, start to make a, a transition out of uh, this rebuilding into hopefully a fun frisky um, type of team. Um, Plus, we're going to have a couple guests coming up, um, including the Locked On Connects guys are going to be uh, coming on at the end of the week to discuss what's going on in Vancouver and kind of get a nice state of the franchise with the Canucks. So uh, make sure you guys are following along wherever you get podcasts. And of course, you can watch on YouTube as well. All right. Um, the lines. So um, I've already seen the the slight panic in uh, Sharks land of, oh, my God, is William Eklund not going to be on the roster? Um, so here was my lines, original lines with uh, out Eric Carlson. Um, at Eklund, Hurdle, Duclair, Barabanov, Couture, Zadina, uh, Peterson, Bordalo, Cunning. Zetterlin, Sturm, LeBanc as the forwards, Vlasic, Givanke, Ferraro, Benning, Thrun, Burrows, uh, with, of course, Blackwood and Capo Kakinen. And now, after the trade and all the new pieces coming in, um, this is the lines. So, um, Eklund, Hurdle, Duclair, kept that line the same. Um, I still like that line a lot. Uh, again, this, this whole forward group has no defense. That's fine. They're going to have to, to try to win games. They're going to have to try to cheat for offense again, um, but without Timo Meyer and Eric Carlson. Um, second line, Mike Hoffman, Logan Couture, Barabanov. I think it's a respectable enough second line. Um, and then the third line, Philip Zadina, uh, Mikhail Grenlin, Luke Cunning. Um, I think that gives you kind of a little bit of mixture of everything um, on that line. Gives Zadina maybe a chance to, to build some chemistry with uh, Grenlin. Um, and then the fourth line of Zetterlin, Sturm, LeBanc. That would put my healthy scratches as uh, one, as the uh, Oscar Lundblom would be the healthy scratch. And then if you want to have Giovanni Smith as your other healthy scratch, or if you want to put him through waivers to go play in the Barracuda, those are kind of your two guys that you're kind of looking at. If you want Smith to kind of play, if you want some of that grit, um, you can easily slide him in for LeBanc. Um, so that's at least a crack at it. The defense, which has very little offensive skills, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, Benning is your first pair, Ferraro Burrows, uh, Thrun Ruta, uh, Ruta, Ruta um, as, as your defense. And then, you know, Kinejov would probably be your healthy scratch there. Um, and then you would probably try to McDonald and Shimmick would probably be, you probably run through waivers to try to send them uh, down with the Barracuda, of course, with Blackwood and Capo Kakinen. So um, we'll see. I mean, 
of this Duclair, of course, is on the last year of his deal. LeBanc is in the last year of his deal. Sedina's on a one-year deal. Um, Hoffman's on the last year of his deal. Cunning, like there's there's plenty of guys, and I, I can see that right. A lot of fans are like, oh my god, where's you know Bortolo and Robbins and Gushin once they you know kind of progress, where are those guys gonna play? And um Again, like half the forwards are on one-year deals, or if somebody gets hurt, right? Not all these guys are going to play every game, right? Um, there's there's going to be opportunities, and I, we've seen with Mike Greer being very, very patient with how he kind of treats the prospects, right? We saw that last year um, with keeping Bordalo and Eklund down in the AHL for basically the entire season. I know Eklund was a little bit of contract shenanigans with kind of keep that slide um, going for one more season, but wanted to overwrite these prospects and they have to win their jobs. And I, I still think that is the philosophy Mike Greer is going to have. And there's opportunities for some of these guys to win a job, right? Um, if Luke Cunningham's not playing every night is, you know, okay. Um, if Oscar Lindblom's not playing every night, okay. Like there's opportunities for some of these young guys to eventually steal some jobs. Now I think opening night, you're going to see much more veteran heavy, but as we saw last year, as the season went on, these, I think there some of these guys are going to, you know, either get hurt or get traded again. There's one, two, three, four, five, five of the Fords uh, who are UFAs. And then Zadina, who's an RFA, like there's plenty of opportunities coming for some of these guys. And yeah, if LeBanc doesn't play every night or uh, sorry, six, I forgot Luke Cunningham, who's all the way down in the, the IR spot. Uh, Luke Cunningham is also an, uh, an RFA. Like there's plenty of opportunities for these guys to get in um, and have jobs at some point in the season. Like most, I think very veteran heavy to begin with to, help protect some of these prospects and let them continue to develop and overripe in the AHL. Um, but there's going to be opportunities for these guys as well. So that's, that's how I would line them up right now. Given the guys they have, um, you can maybe swap, you know, if Zadina gets hot, you could put him up on the second line, um, move down Hoffman or move down Barabanov or whoever you want to like, there's plenty of flexibility to kind of move some of these guys. And I have a feeling you're going to see a lot of shuffling uh, as the season goes on. So um, yeah, the, the forward training camp battles are going to be super fun as we uh, get closer to training camp. So um, that's going to be it for me today. Uh, be back tomorrow. We're going to kind of talk about the, my career plan and kind of why that 25, 26, season and kind of look back at you know what what Mike Greer needs to do differently than Doug Wilson um did or didn't do um going in you know as, as he tries to kind of turn this thing around for the Sharks so uh, make sure you guys are following along wherever you get podcasts and of course you can watch on YouTube as well um you can follow the show on Twitter Facebook Instagram and threads at Lockdown Sharks you can follow me on Twitter and threads at my fry hole and until tomorrow bye friends